Fun fact. Great. I, I happened to look the other day at our reviews on iTunes, and we had a new one last September. And <laughs> before that, we had only five star ratings, and this individual gave us two stars. I, you know, what's amazing? I I noticed that as well. I looked at that just the other day when I was t- trying very, very desperately to somehow rent the movie Apocalypto. Really. I, yeah, like I tried everything I possibly could, and finally I was like, you know what? iTunes has never let me down. They always have every movie I've ever ever tried to find in my life, and sure enough, they did not have it. But I was like, well, I'm here. Let's check out this podcast called General Snobbery, mm-hmm. and I saw that review. <laughs> That's funny that it took each of us like, what, about eight months <laughs> to see it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, did you did you read it? Did you see what this person's complaint was i did i did i it made me it made me laugh and i was actually quite happy that par- part of me like i had that memory of like this should make me mad you know someone's <laughs> criticizing criticizing us this should make me mad but at the end of the day i just laughed and i thought to myself like he this man has it all wrong and i'll, I'll explain maybe maybe you want to tell our listener what the the gist of the review was yeah um i think the reviewer's name was gemini la um, oh, so he must be a Virgo, <laughs> either a Virgo or Will Smith. And <laughs> basically the gist of the review, I think it started by saying this podcast has potential. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the it was essentially saying that we laugh too much. Yeah, that which is which is so funny that uh, so many of the other reviews actually like mentioned that that's one of their favorite parts. They're like, the laughing makes me laugh. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this person, I think in the review also, it said something along the lines of like, if they knew how podcasts work, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which I, think, which I guess this person is under the impression that podcasters are not allowed to laugh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, in general, this guy seemed to be a bit of an expert because he said something like, <laughs> He's like, you know, in a couple of years, they're going to they're going to look back and kick themselves because because he basically was saying that it's like a classic rookie mistake mm-hmm. to just like laugh only at inside jokes with with each other, because I guess audiences don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to tell this guy, like, we don't have an audience. Right. We have one, one, listener. Most one listener. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, this guy got it all wrong. He thought we're trying to appeal to some wide audience, not just having a conversation with one individual who gets all Exa- of our jokes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, if, if only he knew that, then he would be the one kicking himself, I think. Mm-hmm. But that guy does kick himself. He just thinks other people should have to kick themselves, too, because yeah, that's he's what very- his life is. Mm-hmm. He's a... Uh- very psychologically deranged. Yeah. He's like yeah. that guy at the beginning of the Da Vinci Code that just like <laughs> tortures himself while like bringing pain unto others in the name of Jesus. It's kind of like sounds like Mel Gibson actually. Yeah, he does. Exactly. I was going to say like he his life seems to be uh more or less um guided by an intense need to 
to live the super ego. And uh, because yes. of that, he casts upon everyone sort of this moralistic, uh, you know, uh, kind of attitude. Right. Yeah. Laughter is not allowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hurt yourself. Squeeze your balls. You know, that sort of thing. Right. Whip your back. Yeah. Whip your back. <laughs> So, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Gemini guy, if you're uh, listening, um, sorry that you don't like the laughter, but uh, yeah. I encourage you to just stop listening right now. Yeah. I mean, I would encourage you to go away. And um, I have a feeling that in three to five years, you're going to look back on what you commented on General Snobbery and kick yourself. Yeah, because... You know, uh, when we're when we're really famous, we're going to look, you know, we're going to grab a, a Dayobia and Amanda Pumpkins and mm-hmm. Aaron Brunmeyer, all our all our one listener and uh, and, and your brother, Connor, who, I you know, makes number of number of comments. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Connor's comments. He's like, what? He he's sort of acts like he's never he doesn't know who we are. He's like, wow, these guys are great. I just I just found this. You guys should check this out. <laughs> yeah, he acts like I didn't ask him to write a review. <laughs> like, whoa these guys are great <laughs> it's so funny but but there are a number of views on there that are that are pretty similar to that and they are people that at least i don't know yeah i think i know all of them ah uh, spitz <laughs> is spitz one of them spitz spitz hasn't left a review spitz is a phony wow spitz comes on this podcast twice to promote his own career his own agenda <laughs> and doesn't even leave us a review three times asshole I love the idea that he comes on here to promote his career. <laughs> so two more people in the world know who he is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. But hey, maybe we'll get Mel Gibson on here after he hears our analysis of his movie Apocalypto. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I call I call not being in the same room with him because I don't want to be beaten. <laughs> he can stay at your place, Sean. And imagine, like, getting woken up in the middle of the night by, like, psychotic screams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what his night terrors are like. I just assume he must have them. Yeah. Um, or maybe maybe we would call them terrors, but he would call them euphorias. Right, right. Hmm. There's some time, kind of visions. I don't know. That's That's a good question to hold throughout this episode because it wouldn't be, like, violence he seems to enjoy violence mm-hmm. that would be like i don't know <laughs> i don't know maybe something with racist undertones or anti-semitic yeah. you know what i would love to see i would love to so those carl jung uh drawings that appear in like the red book um yeah. i would love to see a, a jungian drawing of mel gibson's dreams and to see what images show up i, I mean i have to imagine that Somewhere along the way, it would involve Jesus Christ whipping Mel Gibson. <laughs> I have to imagine that's kind of a a Mel Gibson fantasy. Fantasy, yeah. Because that wouldn't be like a nightmare. Right? No, that would be like a sign that he's almost there. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah, getting there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> You were you were mentioning that this movie is impossible to find, which is odd. Um, it's so hard I to find. Don't, yeah, I don't know if that's the case for like any other movie. Like, I think you could find a obscure Pauly Shore movie easier <laughs> than you can find Apocalypto. 
Yeah. Like, that's not even an exaggeration. Like, you cannot rent it. No. It was... Not on Amazon, not on iTunes. Nope. Um, the closest I got was Amazon UK, mm-hmm. but that was only accessible to, like, UK IP addresses or something like that. Yeah, it wouldn't allow us. No. So I did a little searching to try and figure out, like, why that's the case. And mm-hmm. the best explanation I got, and I don't even know if it's true, is that, like, the the distribution rights are a lot of times like film i don't know how this works exactly but film distribution rights are like owned by a large distribution company that are usually like subsidiaries of like large you know 20th century fox or something like that well apparently the distribution rights for apocalypto because of contracts or something reverted back to icon productions which is mel gibson's production company and apparently like no one in Hollywood wants to do business with Mel Gibson, so no one is buying the no no one is willing to like you know um distribute those movies. Whereas like all his other movies are easy to find because they're like owned by they're not owned by Mel Gibson, they're owned by Paramount or something. So it was just Apocalypto that like got dropped by any big distributors, Hollywood distributors? I yeah, I think at least in terms of like Mel Gibson movies, because like right. I I looked like every Mel Gibson thing, and you know if you couldn't stream them, you could certainly rent them, and um, it was like every single movie I could think of that he's been in or directed or had any part of was easy to find, just not Apocalypto, because apparently it's like even Passion of the Christ, but like Apocalypto is like solely owned by Mel Gibson, and people are just like fuck you, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing that not like a single person in Hollywood would distribute this. Like they're all just they want nothing to do with Gibson. Yeah. Although that's that has to have changed in recent years because of Hacksaw. Hacksaw Ridge. Oh yeah. Like got him like respected again, it seemed. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Hacksaw Ridge? No. I, I've only seen a few scenes and it, it doesn't seem very good. <laughs> in fact there's this one hilarious moment ah it's it's just worth seeing i, I i'm not even gonna describe it but i'll i'll send it to you um does it involve garfield garfield what's that reference andrew garfield oh yeah like the, the main funny. guy <laughs> all i could think of was the orange cat <laughs> <laughs> i was hoping that that's all you would think of yeah uh yeah it does involve him it, it involves him and it involves a screaming soldier it's just like really kind of funny and then incredibly violent. <laughs> the screaming soldier Mel Gibson. I wish. <laughs> also, Vince Vaughn is in Hacksaw Ridge. Why? He plays. It's, yeah, he, huh. he he plays like a drill sergeant. It's not. It's not really good. A drill sergeant. Yeah. I guess that was probably around the time of season two of uh, True Detective when they cast Vaughn. Oh yeah. In like a serious role, and it just didn't work at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, it's hard to see him as anything other than Vince Vaughn. Right. Kind of like Matt Damon, but like even less range. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saying a lot. Because Matt Damon can yell. He can yell really well. Yeah. He yelled at least in two scenes of The Martian. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Inter- interesting about Apocalypto. I was wondering if it was not distributed because it's really racist. I think that has to do with with it as well, because at least like hmm. I'm, I'm not only is the movie, you know, I, I read a number of like different arguments on each side and I would love to talk about these. But I think mm-hmm. it's it's fair enough to say that 
even if it wasn't intended to be racist, it very much <laughs> appears to be racist. <laughs> so, so that's uh, has earned the racist stamp. Um, yeah, and when you Google it, that's like pretty much what comes up. Yeah, it's like, apocalypto is racist. <laughs> uh, and of course, Mel Gibson has had his own his own troubles with anti-Semitism and anger, and mm-hmm. and you know a number of things that show him as a you know unfortunately you know messed up person in in so many ways but it needless to say his career is it's just been on the rocks for a while Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah i wonder how much that had to do with people talking about apocalypto being racist because i guess his first major downfall was when he got a dui and screamed that Jews are responsible for all the world's wars yeah. in a drunken rage, and that went public. And I think it went public pretty much right when Apocalypto was coming out. Yeah. Like, I think there was some... Apparently his dad was was very much an anti-Semite, and... Yeah, he's a Holocaust denier. Oh, that's right. God. Um, and so I think when The Passion came out, like, even, like, South Park made the point of, like, they just referred to The Passion as a snuff film. Um, right. But there are some moments in there that, you know, are – it's just like a very unflattering uh, – you know, there's this famous line where in in The Passion of the Christ where someone screams out something like, you know, they're like, the blood is on, on your hands and the hands of your descendants, um, referring to the Jews who killed Jesus. And that line was apparently used throughout the Middle Ages to justify – um, kind of persecution of Jews. And mm. so that line appears in the movie, but the subtitles are removed. Um, but really, yeah, like you can see this moment, someone's being like dragged away and, and they scream something, but there's no subtitle for it, but it still a- appears in the movie. And I've heard people make the point before, like, yeah, it, it was that subtitle was deleted in the English version, but like you watch any other version of that movie and that subtitle still appears in, in that native language. So, um, it would have been a very easy scene to just cut out because it has caused so much historical problems, but Mel Gibson chose to keep it in. Hmm. That's fishy. Yeah, it's very fishy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that when The Passion came out and everyone saw it and there was just this huge uproar that it was anti-Semitic and it did. It kind of seemed like it, it sparked this like Catholic versus Jew like debate and they were that's kind of what South Park lampoons is like. It literally turns like the Catholics against the Jews. <laughs> and the right. Catholics are like, like saying that the Jews should apologize like, at the end of that episode. <laughs> that's right. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then this whole thing happened and everyone was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess he is anti-Semitic. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we weren't reading into it too much when, when it seemed like the Jews were the antagonists and, in the passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he goes and he makes a bold move, which is to then make a movie about a culture that very little is like, first, a lot has been lost. Not many movies are made about this culture, at least from like a, an yeah. American perspective, um, which yeah, basically none. Yeah. Like I can't think of <laughs> 10,000 BC. I don't know. I never saw that movie. Yeah. Me neither. Um, but it was like even that when it was like okay, I think people knew enough about Mel Gibson at the point that's like this is interesting. This maybe is a little fishy um, because how is he not going to be racist here? Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
Yeah, it seemed that this this movie upset pretty much anyone with any connection to Mayan civilization. I saw numerous articles that were saying not just that it, um, like that they were upset, but that they were outraged. Oh wow! Yeah, this movie outraged many. <laughs> <laughs> There's this really funny article in the Guardian that I found mm-hmm. that just kind of went point by point of like how inaccurate this movie is, and I really wish this author could like come on this podcast mm. because he really wrote in the voice of a snob and I, I pulled out a quote <laughs> <laughs> and it says, uh, another lot of Mayans roll up. You can tell these ones are evil because they are scowling, have weirder facial piercings and wear ep- epaulets made of human jawbones. <laughs> 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 the bad Mayans take the good Mayans prisoner and march them off to the big city. It's full of drugged up dancers with bones through their noses, terrifying masks and jade inlaid teeth, bo- blood drenched high priests making towers of skulls and ghostly underlings caked in white mud. <laughs> nice. That's a, that's a pretty accurate description. Yeah. That's great. Uh-huh. So apparently that's not historically accurate. Ah, see, it's interesting. Cause I, I watched, um, um, a YouTube video that had some good stuff and they explained some, some of the inaccuracies as well as some of the things that at least they found to be accurate. And okay, th- nice. yeah. So like there seemed to be a mixture in that regard, but I will say the big one for this YouTube video was sort of the bafflement that like, first of all, he explained Mayan civilization and um, like one thing about it is it was a huge interconnected network of cities and, um, and even the like villages in between cities were not like, you know, quote, primitive the way that we see them in, in this movie. Like people lived in mm-hmm. stone houses and not just like sticks, like which is basically the village that we see in this movie is mm-hmm. basically just glorified sticks. Um, and he said the idea that these people live literally two days away from this massive city because it's they literally they they're captured and they walk for two days and they make it to the city he's like the mm-hmm. they even speak the same language like the idea that they live two mm-hmm. days away from this city and they just have no concept of it is absolutely ridiculous right and i remember kind of thinking that the first time i saw this i was like they don't they've never come across these people mm-hmm. you know again it's like they speak the same language so clearly they're in the same like sphere of influence Right, because there are like dozens, at least dozens of Mayan languages. Yeah. Very, very widespread civilization. But yeah, I guess pretty much everything was in some way connected to one of the big cities. I was reading something along those lines, too. Yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, you have that. I I really like that that author's description of they have weirder face piercings or something. <laughs> yeah, and they're all scowling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I have a I watched this movie this time with a different attitude, which is the first time I saw it, you know, there was talk about Mel Gibson the way we were talking about him earlier. Um but I tried to watch it from the point of view of like like what if Mel Gibson was not trying to be racist? Uh, like the first mm-hmm. few times I watched it years ago. And, you know, obviously there's there's some clear indication from the beginning of the movie that maybe he has a negative view of these people because that quote at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Do, do you remember that one? 
Yeah, I don't remember it word for word, mm-hmm. um, but it was. Yeah, I bet you do. Well, no, I don't either. But <laughs> <laughs> but here's what it says. No, <laughs> but yeah, the gist of it is like um, a civilization can only be destroyed from within or something. Yeah, or like it can only be conquered once it destroys itself from within. Yes, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. God, and I'm I think such that, an that idiot. A... God, I hate you... myself. I'm gonna whip <laughs> myself. <laughs> Mel will be in full support. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> do, yes. do your penance. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that quote was uh, with reference to the Roman Empire. Oh, interesting. Maximus. That's Maximus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so, so, but yeah, to apply that to <laughs> the situation. Yeah, you see that, and so already the attitude is like, "Oh, I get it." So we're about to see people destroy themselves. So who, mm-hmm. who quote unquote deserve what they're about to get? Um, right. And you know, we as Americans and as people from European descent, I I don't think fully understand the devastation that happened to Native peoples on the North and South American continents because, like, in a video I watched about the historical inaccuracy of this movie they mentioned that you know the smallpox killed 90 percent of the people of the native peoples of the americas and it's like holy shit so anyway the point is even if you don't recognize that you certainly know that you know enough history to know that these people are eventually going to be conquered and just destroyed by the spanish um so that quote for me, it always kind of felt weird. It's like, oh, so are these people, do they deserve what they're about to get because they, oh, they destroyed themselves from the inside first. And so I think that's kind of the first indication. And a lot of people point to that as like, yeah, see, this is where Mel Gibson is like setting the tone of like, mm, yeah. don't feel bad for these people. They destroyed themselves first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they had it coming. <laughs> yeah. Which I guess would be a reference to like the this group from the city that takes this little village as slaves and mm-hmm. brings them back to the city and paints them blue and then like sacrifices like pretty much all of them. Yeah. Which I've read is another historical inaccuracy that they have these beheadings on top of the temples and, you know, like toss their bodies and heads down the steep stairs mm-hmm. and that that was an Aztec yep. ritual and that... Mayans didn't do that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Those are two different civilizations, which I'm not sure. I could see Mel Gibson like knowing that, but just kind of saying like, ah, they're basically the same. Yeah, that actually baffled me a lot because, I mean, you know, spoiler listener, the big reveal of this movie is that at the end of it, um, we we see Spanish ships. And mm-hmm. we see this, so it must be like the early 1500s or whatever, like when, when the Spanish are, are coming to this part of the world. Um, whereas like the Mayan civilization apparently declined far before that. But this time period that we see with the Spanish would have been like big for the Aztecs. So my thought is like, why did Mel Gibson choose Mayan culture at all? Why not just make it an Aztec movie? Because that would have mm-hmm. been in keeping with the timeline he wanted. It's really baffling. Yeah. Right. Like, why did you just combine these cultures when you could have just said, oh, I, I'm already, like, making it during the time of the Aztecs, and I'm having them do Aztec rituals. Why not just make it an Aztec movie? That's a good question. It's, like, really weird. Yeah. Maybe the Mayans were more spiritual. 
Yeah, yeah. Something in Mayan mythology must have been closer to Christian mythology. Yeah, it was less of a sin for him to make up a movie about Mayans. <laughs> um, so something I... Anyway, with with these conflicting views in mind of like, is Mel Gibson bad or is he just misunderstood? I, I really wanted to watch it this time with that in mind. And pre- pretty soon on, I switched to the Mel Gibson is bad camp. <laughs> did you? I did, yeah. And I, I think it happened when like... I, having a bit of an understanding of the historical inaccuracies, but tr- just trying to forget about that for a second. When we meet our protagonist village, um, they really struck me as like Mel Gibson trying to create noble savages. So, mm. so like, I, I really felt like with these, because they're like laughing and they're having fun and they're playing jokes yeah. on each other and like, oh, my balls mm-hmm. are hot. Oh, I better sit in the water. And everyone's just mm-hmm. having a good time. And and right. in my mind, as Mel Gibson was creating this scene, he was thinking to himself, see, these are good people. In different circumstances, these people would have been Christians. <laughs> <laughs> So I really feel like Mel Gibson, he created noble savages um, who are the ones who are destroyed by like the evil, evil witch doctor pagan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really kind of creates that group at the beginning just as these like fun loving bros. They just like kind of rib each other as they like (laughs) rip apart this feral pig that they all killed with some like... (laughs) Indiana Jones, Goonies, yeah. booby trap. Yes, there were a lot of Goonies. I had a lot of Goonies thoughts during this movie. <laughs> like bones and stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the Barber Jaguar Paw like escapes from the village and emerges into this massive field of just decapitated, rotting carcasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a little extreme. It was an extreme Goonies. Yeah. Goonies would have just made it bones. Exactly. Basically the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there, there was that. There's kind of an interesting element to where that there's the one main bad guy, mm-hmm. you know, Coach Coach Mahoney. <laughs> Coach Mahoney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you call him that? <laughs> because ever. <laughs> Ever since I, I uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, Gemini, inside joke. Get out of here, Gemini. <laughs> Gemini is really pissed right now. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want to whip them more than Mel Gibson does. Um, so, no, ever since I saw this movie for the first time in 2007, I saw that main character and I thought, wow, that guy looks exactly like Coach Mahoney. Coach Mahoney. Could, yeah. Could you, could you tell our listener who that guy is? Uh, he was a football coach and gym teacher at our high school. That's right. Yeah. He just like Cut. barrel chest. Uh, they kind of have similar facial structure, kind of a, a furled brow. Mm-hmm. Big, big, tough guy, like stocky, um, athletic scowl. Yeah. yeah. I liked Coach Mahoney. Uh, he could bench press a lot. He had a he had a big barrel chest. He could. Yeah. yeah. I pretty sure. If I recall correctly, he was very open about the fact that he used steroids for a lot of his life. Yeah. I never heard any stories directly, but I heard other people say that he just said that that was when he played college football. It was just like everyone did it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Coach Mahoney, he was a good, he was a cool coach. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are what coaches are doing right now in this quarantine? We've talked about coaches on this podcast a few times, but like lots of coaches don't really teach. They just coach and they can't coach right now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You can't coach online 
unless you're a life coach. Yeah, 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 for sure. Oh, please, life coach, give me a simple quote. <laughs> please find the perfect quote for me on your Google search. <laughs> Tell me how to respond to all my life's problems right now. <laughs> oh, I get it. The answer's in me. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Now that I've heard that quote, I am fixed. Yes. If I just take a deep breath, my treatment-resistant depression will go away. <laughs> Thank you, life coach. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? Actually, online uh, fitness programs have skyrocketed. Mm. And mm -hmm. I've noticed even early on, it was like a lot of people transitioned to that. So that industry is actually kind of booming right now. So good for those people. Yeah. Plenty of coaches getting jobs there. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So the people who are like kind of life coach slash fitness coach mm -hmm. are doing okay. I think they're still doing okay. Yeah. But the full-on life coach who's just like, yeah, eat that bowl of ice cream. You deserve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <So> maybe not. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're charlatans. Probably doing, yeah, the charlatans. <laughs> yeah. They're probably finding their own market. I'm sure they are. I mean, because a lot of people are, are dealing with anxiety right now. And I feel like life coaching in, in many ways is, uh, I mean, it's like spiritual gangster. It's like, it's a very, 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 very watered down version of, of something that is profound and, and requires a, a lifelong commitment. Um, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're basically like a spiritual teacher slash like therapist, psychologist, but you take like one online class to get certified. Yeah. Yeah. You're literally not qualified to, to actually like speak on any of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I really would, I'm really curious what those courses are like. Like what do they, how do you teach someone to be a life coach? <laughs> I don't. Like, that's a huge responsibility like that is it's basically being like a mentor figure like to i mean a coach teaches someone how to do something mm -hmm. better so this is saying i am going to teach you how to do life better <laughs> like that's really really broad yeah that's got to be really hard to do I don't know how you could teach someone how to do that with like $1,000 online course. <laughs> yeah, I know because it's like chances are if you need life coaching, what you really need is like a, a life change. And I feel like that requires so much, so much other stuff, including effort on your part. I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know a ton about life coaching, but mm -hmm. my impression is that it's literally just... <laughs> Kind of how you and I will joke about it sometimes where it's like, what is the purpose of that single quote? Like, I, right. I get it. It's kind of profound, but so, so is everything. Read a poem instead. Like, you know, like, yeah. like I think a poem probably holds much deeper. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think life coaches came from self-help books. Yeah. This like big market developed of self-help books that are essentially like, really watered down spiritual texts without any originality. Mm -hmm. Like they'll just kind of take section from, I don't know, Krishnamurti or <laughs> Khalil Gibran mm -hmm. or like a quote from the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. At best, I would say. And then like just basically have like a two page section of like really simple platitudes about like, you know, just like <laughs> well, life's tough sometimes, but you know just keep waking up and like have that that drink some water in the morning and you know maybe go for a jog and 
like th- things are okay. Yeah. Everything works out. Yeah. And, and that like sells so well because I don't know, it, it's almost like what people with like deep underlying issues, there's like a cathartic effect of reading something like that. Like there's a moment of like, Oh, that's right. I can breathe. Like, okay. Like things are okay. Yeah. And then like two hours later, they're <laughs> at most like maybe 20 minutes later, they're completely where they were and like turning back to the next section like well what do i do now and so it's like this way to just like kind of keep keep giving this little cathartic effect without actually instilling like (laughs) significant psychological or spiritual change wow you you basically just described like a like a the effect a drug has on someone it's like you get a little (laughs) dose and then you you need to go back (laughs) yeah i think there's a crossover like i bet that people get a little dopamine hit Every time they read a little, <laughs> little quote like that. Wow, you are so right. Whereas like I like the real old style way of thinking of of like bettering oneself in any any tradition is like hey, do you want to make yourself better? Do you want to better yourself? Make yourself happier, live better, have a better outlook on life? It's like, yes. It's like, okay. Um how about you start today and you'll never achieve you'll never achieve that. Um, but you will die one day. <laughs> it's like, that's like, that's the depth of like old style ways of like, like, you know, the, you know, uh, any kind of like, you know, yogi or any kind of mm-hmm. like spiritual master and, and any, yeah. in any tradition, like aesthetic traditions. Yeah. It's like, oh man, yeah. like the, you, know, you know what they're trying to, they're trying to shed their ego. They're trying to disassociate their mind from their body and they're trying yeah. to become nothingness. <laughs> They're not just reading a fucking quote. Yeah. That's in like full lotus all day, like in the cold. <laughs> yeah. In order to like detach from extreme amounts of suffering. Because that's the only path to liberation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just, cause you mentioned it. I actually recently listened to the, uh, to the Bhagavad Gita. Um, mm, there's a, Arjuna. Arjuna. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bagger Vance. <laughs> Have we talked about this? I I feel like it came up briefly, but I, I, you need to remind me. Yeah, the guy. So the Legend of Bagger Vance is based on a book, and uh, that writer he he wrote it uh, being sort of a modern retelling of the Bhagavad Gita. Really? Yeah. And so you have the main golf guru <laughs> become the ball. Uh, <laughs> oh, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Potter, right? <laughs> Yeah, Gary Potter. Gary Potter. <laughs> Just send it home. <laughs> it's amazing. He he Gary Potter speaks in the words of like a life coach. It's like yep. that's meaningless. It's not actually right. helpful. <laughs> it's just like a very soft <laughs> voice like gets really in your face and intense and like he's fully yeah. invested in what he's what he's saying. Harness energy block bad. <laughs> Like the, the crystallization wow. of his teachings. Wow. I'm going to, I'm today on Instagram, Sean, I'm going to put that quote up and I'm just going to tell everyone like, Hey, I'm, I'm wishing you a good quarantine. Harness energy block bad. See if it saves anyone's you a, life. You should do a hashtag life coach and see how many life coaches follow you. Like, oh God. Bet- because of that. Cause they'd probably think that like, like, Oh wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm going to steal it from him. <laughs> I'm going to profit off that. <laughs> yeah. You're mine. 
<laughs> uh, but, but you're saying Bhagavan yeah. is uh, Arjuna and Krishna? Yeah, Arjuna and Krishna. And if you remember Matt Damon's character, his his last name is Juna. Really? And his he goes like his first name is R. I don't know what it is, but people are constantly referring to him as Juna. They just call him Juna in the movie. Um Really? Yeah. Bagger Vance. <laughs> Wait, there's there's a movie where people call that name in Juna. <laughs> You're right. There's something remarkably general snobbery about that fact. As opposed to Coop. Coop. Yeah, he could pass as a Coop. I mean it's still like funny, but Juna. Like Juna. No, I don't think I've ever met a white person named Juna, let alone like Someone as white as Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah. And he's, like, very blonde in that movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess in the movie or in the book or whatever, it's spelled J-U-N-U-H, I think. Um, okay. Something like that. But, yeah, so he – and his first initials are – so he's supposed to be Arjuna in that – in the book or in the movie. I'll just say the movie because I've never read the book. And then Bagger Vance, ba- Bhagavad, Bagger Vance, like, they kind of sound alike. He is kind of <laughs> the Krishna character because – I I don't recall the movie very well, but it's like I don't know if other people like really see him. He's just yeah. he. I think he only associates with with uh, with Arjuna, and he plays the same kind of like you know it, it's it's not as high stakes. It's a golf game, but it's kind of sort of I don't know. Yeah, it's um, apparently that's what it is. I think it's kind of because in the Bhagavad Gita, he's it's about he's about to go to war, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's getting the spiritual advice from Krishna. Yeah, and. Krishna tells him some amazing things and some things, you know, how all, you know, all things are connected and, you know, all, you know, plants and all the good and the bad, they all, they all emanate from, from me and this great stuff. But like at the end of the day, for these life coaches, I think they should remember that, that Krishna is telling Arjuna, it is your duty to kill everyone in front of you. (laughs) You have to kill them because you are of the, you are of the warrior caste. So stop complaining and I don't care that you know and respect those men. It is your duty to kill them. And finally, at the end, Arjuna is like, thank you, Krishna. I will finally do what you said. <laughs> I, will. I have the courage now <laughs> to, go to kill, kill a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so don't... I like, the, yeah. go ahead. I like the thought of like, just like going through Instagram with our general snobbery account and just finding all the Bhagavad Gita quotes from life coaches and just like... Making a comment to remind them of that fact. Yeah. Remember, at the end of the story, Arjuna kills a lot of people. (laughs) Have a good day. (laughs) Stay positive. (laughs) Stay positive. (laughs) Remind them that that, uh, Oppenheimer, who developed the atomic bomb, he thought of the Bhagavad Gita when he saw the, the first atomic explosion. Have you ever heard that story? No. Yeah, so he was in charge of the Manhattan Project that created the atomic bomb, and uh, apparently he saw, you know, the atomic explosion, and for him it was like, it spoke to a lot of what Krishna talks about in the Bhagavad Gita, which is basically like, all things at their deepest core are are connected, um, and like the the atomic explosion, hmm. you know, formed from the destruction of a, the, the tiniest thing that we, that they knew of. Um, he thought of a, a part in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna takes on this like multi, this like form of everything. And he's like, Aah! he's like horribly frightening. <laughs> and he's just like scaring Arjuna. And according to, you know, Oppenheimer, the quote was, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. 
Um, wow. But in the version I listened to, it's the the translation was now I am I am become time the destroyer of worlds, but same idea. And so could be good. <laughs> That'd be a good life coach quote. Now I am death, <laughs> the destroyer <laughs> of worlds. <laughs> like how come you never quote that part of the Bhagavad Gita? <laughs> hey, is there a, uh, is there a film version of that moment in Bagger Vance where Will Smith becomes death, <laughs> destroyer of worlds? Like <laughs> assumes this terrifying form. God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> it's like, Archie just becomes his genie version from Aladdin. <laughs> it's just blue guy. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. It's like Arjuna. He's like, I don't know. Uh, it's you know, it looks like it's about ninety yards. <laughs> it's my eight iron or my nine iron. I don't know which one. <laughs> and Will Smith just becomes this horrified ten-eyed monster. And let's <laughs> <laughs> get a real surreal <laughs> twist to that story. <laughs> God, that would have been amazing. That would have been. It's like, wow, that's hilarious. It's like you think it's just a nice little golf story about a a nice caddy who offers some wise advice, and really, he is he is the creator of all things. He is literally all things at once: life, death, humans, plants, air, the wind, the destruction. You know, it's like, yeah, this golf caddy. <laughs> that's a great bit of. Uh film trivia i appreciate that you've shared that with our one listener and not gemini la because he's left in a, out of anger at this point yeah gemini man yeah that's a that's a great when i heard that i was so pleased i got so excited yeah hmm. sounds like we got to do that movie next i would love that some life coach wisdom <laughs> That'd be another good troll is go through to the different life coach accounts and just comment quotes from the legend of Bagger Vance. Like, or just make a quote and attribute it all to Bagger Vance. Like even quotes that have like nothing to do with anything. It's like, I want to be you. And like, come on, Juna. <laughs> go for the green. Wow. That would be a keep it to the fairway. <laughs> That would be an, an amazing, that would be a very fun, like fake Instagram account to make where it's, it's like it's, you, you bill yourself as a life coach and the only quotes you put on your account are just from the legend of Bagger Vance. Would you like indicate that that's where it's from or just like take them out of context and like not even give an attribution <laughs> to the quote? I don't know. I was before you asked that, I was thinking that and I don't know. <laughs> just each, it is a different picture of Will Smith. <laughs> I think we need to do, do this. I, I would love to do Bagger Vance. Yeah. <laughs> We've definitely talked about Bagger Vance a lot more than Apocalypto. Yeah, we really have. Definitely not. Wouldn't have uh, seen that coming. No, I I mean, I think we crossed that threshold like five or six minutes ago, even. Oh, Will Smith has been all over this podcast, even like at the beginning with Gemini Man. I mentioned Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Why again? Because Will Smith was recently in a movie called Gemini Man. (laughs) 
Wow. <laughs> I swear I don't think I've ever heard of that movie. I only heard of it because I was a personal trainer at the time, and I had a client who um, was pretty insane. And... <laughs> He <laughs> would just see a lot of movies and just tell me that he saw this movie and he saw Gemini, man. Wow. Said it was pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's two two Will Smiths in one movie. Oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. The poster is just Will Smith staring at Will Smith. And one's like the younger Will Smith. Mm-hmm. There's a younger <laughs> Will Smith and an older Will Smith. Yeah. Hollywood really has still not mastered that technology. It's like... The- yeah, making someone look right. younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I think Gollum looks more realistic than like young uh, uh, Jeff Robert De Niro in the Irishman. Yeah, seriously, like the, some young De Niro moments are are good, but others are like it's it's almost unnerving. Like it almost kind of mm-hmm. sort of like Ugh. it's like my stomach kind of like it's like something's wrong. Yeah, some uncanny about it. Yeah, Jeff Bridges in Tron Tron Two. It's like. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen the second Tron? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, anyway, they. they... I, I didn't know they made two. Really? Yeah, I thought they just made Tron. <laughs> wait, oh, tr- wait, is the first one from like the eighties? Yeah, the first one's from the eighties. The second one mm, is from like ten right, years right. ago. Yeah, I remember when that came out. Yeah, it was a big, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. For nerds. <laughs> I bet it was a big deal for David Spitz. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mention him. We're just we're just fueling right. we're just fueling his career with oh. <laughs> playing right into his hand. <laughs> he planned this all along. <laughs> He's a mastermind. <clears throat> oh man. Is there, is there even anything to say about Apocalypto? It's <laughs> a, a really good point. Fro- frog darts. Frog darts. Frog darts is fun. I, I, I will say there are some, you know, like all sort of um, Mel Gibson related stuff aside. This movie that that last like 40 minutes of the chase is like really cool because we see Jaguar Paw, you know, he escapes leaves the city he's colored in this uh will smith blue paint and (laughs) (laughs) which Uh is so funny because in indian mythology avatars are often uh are shown as blue so like when you you're just thinking of the movie avatar (laughs) 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 wow bagger vance apocalypto indian mythology avatars sam worthington avatar they're all connected Gemini man. Gemini man. <laughs> um, but so, you know, Jaguar Park leaves the city, escapes, is washed clean from the, the filth, the blue dye in the river, makes it back to his woods. And then he like he becomes nature, right? Like he, he goes into the quicksand mm-hmm. and and he sort of he takes on a new persona. And so in terms of like story, even like South Park said, like Mel Gibson might be crazy, but the man knows plot structure like mm-hmm. that. Yep. That chase scene, I think, is such a great heroic adventure. Oh, yeah. I mean, this whole movie is awesome. It is really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could just like put all those <laughs> yeah. concerns aside yeah. that we talked about at the beginning, this is an awesome movie. It's so true. <laughs> like, it's so entirely entertained and like... Oh man, it's so brutal. It's like, very brutal. So in, so intensely violent. 
but that's, I guess, a given with Gibson. Man, when uh, um, Jaguar Paw hits that guy, like, in the temple, and, like, there's, mm. like, a spurt of blood, and then blood is just... Yeah. Pss, pss, mm-hmm. it, it's like Kill Bill blood. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's, like, throat slittings shown in real time, and, like, <laughs> wrists like, carvings, and, like, heart pullouts, yeah. and... Pushing yeah, the guy over the cliff. Temple of Doom. Very Temple of Doomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an, it's a, like, this movie is insanely unboring, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jaguar Par jumps over a waterfall. He basically goes through the most, like, intense trials um, I think that Mel Gibson could imagine. Mm-hmm. Like, he's sprinting through a jungle after having been shot with an arrow through his abdomen. And basically running away from the most brutal warriors on the mm-hmm. planet and dodging their, like, incredible aim. Yeah. And then he has, like, a face-to-face encounter with a jaguar, the black <gasps> That's panther, right. and has to outrun that <laughs> and jumps over a waterfall, goes into quicksand, mm-hmm. and um, gets shot again with another arrow. <clears throat> yeah. And th- so he jumps over the waterfall and then that... Coach Mahoney <laughs> tells his group of people that Jaguar has Jaguar Paw has not killed mm-hmm. yet that they're also going to jump. Yeah. And so they all jump, like one of them jumps, and then in, you can expect that Gibson's going to kill at least one of them. <laughs> and one of them just goes just head first right into a rock, yeah. right under the water, and you see his head basically blow up. <laughs> yeah, I, I like after Jaguar Pod jumps over the one guy who actually was like my favorite of the of the evil war party. Um he's like Coach Mahoney's like, you know, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna keep going. <laughs> and this guy's like, we'll we'll climb down. We'll get him. And then Coach Mahoney doesn't like that answer, so he just stabs him. <laughs> right in the yeah. chest. Like, no, we're not just we're not climbing down. We're jumping over. <laughs> <laughs> what was it that made that guy your favorite of the war party? He he sort of he he showed a certain respect when they when they killed the Jaguar. Um and he was like, I don't mm. like this. It's like this is a bad omen. Oh, he's that yeah. guy that says it's yeah. bad omen. So mm-hmm. I think that was Mel Gibson's way of saying, had these people known Christianity, that guy would have become a Christian. <laughs> so that right. was going through my mind the entire time. Every every character in my mind, I have no idea if this is true, but I, I'll say it is. Mel Gibson was like noble savage or not, <laughs> you know, like he's a nice guy, so he would have been Christian. Coach Mahoney, no. Yeah, he cooperated with the Spanish. He did it <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, of course, Mel Gibson has to get a cross into this because we get these view of the ships at the end and then a zoom in on the small boats filled with people, Spaniards, coming to the mm-hmm. shore, and one of them's, like, holding a big cross. Yeah, I think it was, um, uh, like a, looked like a Franciscan friar holding the big cross. Mm-hmm. Do you know who that actor was? Rip Torn? Mel Gibson. Really? Yep, Mel Gibson was on one of those little boats. <laughs> he was dressed as a Franciscan friar holding the big cross. <laughs> yep, it's true. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He just had to insert himself. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, living caricature. So, just one quick aside, and then I really want to get back to this. Uh, did you know that Mel Gibson had a cameo in The Passion of the Christ? Yeah, isn't he um, one of the hands that jams a nail into Jesus, Jim Caviezel's hand? Yep, that's right. So, 
So this was sort of in keeping with Mel Gibson, like inserting himself into his like foreign language movies that he made. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. So at the end, the big reveal, Jaguar Paras chased to the beach and we see these like massive Spanish ships and then these smaller Spanish boats coming ashore. And I, I mean, when I, the first time I saw this, it was like a huge surprise. It was like a bigger twist than any Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. In a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jaguar Paw kills Coach Mahoney with the, uh, the Goonies, Indiana Jones, the booty trap. Goonies yeah. booby trap. Yeah. Kind of tricks him into just mm-hmm. getting completely nailed. Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> massively destroyed like flesh flesh like dangling on the end of the spikes Mm kind of gross yeah Yeah. mel gibson's all about the like brutal catharsis wow he really is yeah like the way he he seems to just know that like deep down in people's ids they have this (laughs) (laughs) deep desire to to watch the bad guy die the most brutal death that you can like think of like even in Braveheart there are some just mm-hmm. you know that's when like battle scenes weren't like horribly violent and then Braveheart came out and like I remember one scene where like a guy's like head gets like smashed with a hammer and literally just like as if the, a balloon of blood was under his helmet just like that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. wow uh, uh, so with the Spanish I really tried to pay attention this time because I wanted to figure out, like, what was the message Mel Gibson was saying with the Spanish coming? Because the reason mm-hmm. why I always defended this movie for years is because my interpretation the first time I saw it was like, wow, like, this now marks a change because we all know what happens next is just horrible for the for the natives. So that mm-hmm. that and then we even see Jaguar Paw and his wife and kids, they go off into the forest to hide. And so certainly Mel Gibson's like reason for doing this was to show like. This society is about to get even more brutal because the Spanish are about to destroy these people. And, but there's a lot of interpretations that's like, nope, that scene was supposed to represent like a triumphant coming of Christ, basically. Right. And I, yeah. I really tried to interpret it this time. And so this time, what I did is I paid attention to the music. And the music should be a good indicator of what the director was trying to do. And mm-hmm. this music was fairly triumphant. Really? When it's showing the cross approaching the shore? Yeah. It's it's not like, yes, it's not like that kind of triumph, but it's like, dun, dun, it's like this like neat little like beat of drums and a, and sort of a trumpet sound, like a horn, which so okay. often sort of heralds in like a good thing. The, the coming of the good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa. The good Christian genocide. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I really yeah I saw that seemed to be the common interpretation amidst any critic of this movie was that it essentially was a whole movie of showing how the Mayans were brutal savage like people who destroyed themselves and got saved by Christianity (laughs) it's like I I cannot believe a modern mind can hold that interpretation seriously (laughs) I know I mean like I'm meaning like Mel Gibson you know what I mean like right Mel Gibson yeah it's like I thought that like is so old fashioned. Like it's like not not even not even old fashioned the way like oh grandparents sometimes have old fashioned views, but like utterly totally debunked and antiquated. Uh huh. Yeah, and like beyond offensive at this point. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like just like colonialism. Yeah, is good. Yay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it sort of reminds me of 
that scene in the office when Andy Bernard is the manager. You you saw like all the office episodes, right? Mm, I've kind of missed some of the late seasons. So I'm not sure if I saw this one. Oh, uh, do you remember Robert California by any chance? Uh, I know the name. Okay. I can kind of picture the guy. He was sort of like a the big boss character. And he so he technically owned Dunder Mifflin. And Andy really wanted Columbus Day off for for the office. He goes, one. he's like, one more thing. I want Columbus Day off for the office. And then Robert California, who was played by James Spader, he's like, uh, you do realize that Columbus committed genocide with his legions. And Andy's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> just because he wanted the day off so bad but it's like yeah i think we kind of like sometimes skirt around the whole columbus issue of like well he wasn't good but it's like i think at this point there are a lot of that era of history is just like man like whatever even if they didn't know better you know they thought they were doing something good like they were awful yeah objectively yeah so the idea that you could even create a scene that is like well i don't know it's up for interpretation it's like come on dude yeah Yeah. (laughs) like you should have had music that was like these people are bad right (laughs) yeah they are going to like view these people as less than human and murder a lot of them and basically wipe out as much of their cultural remnants as they can yeah like I heard about, I remember reading about this Spanish priest that went, like, led a uh, a crew to a Mayan village. Um, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was in Mexico, so maybe um, uh, I forget. It wasn't Tikal. Ah, mm-hmm. um, and the Mayans, like their entire, like symbology and like they were contained in these books called codexes Mm -hmm. and there was like a set number of them i guess and it's you know it's not like they had it uploaded to the cloud Mm -hmm. like they just had these books that was basically the like the key to their entire like worldview and this dude just burned all of them jesus like he just like set them all on fire even as like people were just screaming like not to wow forget this this guy's name but i'm sure you can find it on a google and yeah it was just he just he thought that that would only like detract the christian imperialism is really the only yeah. word that can come to mind but it would be in god's best interest mm-hmm. to to wipe out anything that these people thought wow <laughs> yeah man it's like it, it's so it's so crazy and so horrific that i don't even i don't even know if we can even fully grasp how horrific it was because if it's like 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 mm-hmm. there are just areas where there aren't even remnants you know what i mean like so i mean yeah. i'm by no means an expert on that at all and it's like I just feel like in the process of making this movie, I, I like it, it. The point is to say that re- watching it with this lens that I did this time, it was like, okay, Mel Gibson, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. your true colors are now, are now no longer up for debate. Like you wanted to show these people as savages. Some of them were nice savages that again, my mm-hmm. thought is he thought well, they would have been Christian. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, he showed that they deserved it and finally at the end it's like (laughs) 
that's that's the glimmer of hope that's the new beginning the you know jesus are you what is wrong with you (laughs) definitely yeah coincided with his broad downfall (laughs) it's like dude like that is wow yeah it's it's just insane yeah (laughs) how could you even make the argument that that like what we're about to witness is is anything beyond horrific and destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. It's <sighs> everything I saw online that was like critiquing this movie had the word Gibson in the title of the article. <laughs> like it was never just like Apocalypto is bad. It was like Gibson's Apocalypto is racist. Gibson's it's it, certain movies that he does like Mel, uh, Mel Gibson's passion. Like that's like, mm-hmm. it's like his telling of the story. Yeah, he's, right. He's completely like all over the movie. Like the passion of the Christ and Mel Gibson were pretty much always in the same sentence. Yeah. Like, it was completely known that like there were synonymous terms, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mel Gibson and the Passion of the Christ. Yeah. Like I've never I've never seen a director, not even Shyamalan, seriously, like make himself so present in the like mythos of his movies. Yeah, it's weird because like Mel Gibson's psyche is like present throughout every strain of the film. Mm-hmm. Like our friend Adam, he, uh, uh, I said that out of respect for our listener, um, he he talks about like they people talked about Mel Gibson's passion as if it was the, like the fifth gospel. There's like the gospel of Jesus according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Gibson. And the Gibson version is very violent. That's the focus. It's not like the humanity or the divinity of Christ or the, the teachings of Jesus. It's like the violence, the absolute brutality yeah. <laughs> that Gibson himself is perpetuating symbolized by his hand, nailing the hand. Yeah. It's a great act of repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Well, it's good talking about Bagger Vance and life coaches. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's just trick everyone and name this episode Bagger Vance and life coaches. And they're like, wait a second. They're talking about Mel Gibson a lot. <laughs> Although I think Bagger Vance and life coaches might be our next episode. I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's that seems like a good good one to tackle. For sure. Coach Mahoney style. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, thanks thank- listener mm-hmm. and uh not thanks Gemini man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Take you. your your <laughs> laughless ways elsewhere. Yeah. Have fun hanging out with Mel Gibson, your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> fun torturing yourselves together. <laughs> All right, listener, David Spitz, thank you very much. You two, Dayobia, Amanda Pumpkins, NSA. And Brunmeyer. Yeah, and Brunmeyer. (laughs) Yep, until next time. All righty, see ya.